Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough with all the evil and darkness that we see around us sometimes. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing a series right now on the one another's and uh, for the sake of one another. And, and, the, and the, the tie-in here, I think, is that our desire is that the church would be all that the church can be. That the church truly would be the light to the world that it's supposed to be. The church really would bring comfort and compassion to the world as we should. And, and so the way we can do that is by helping each other become all that we can become. And then the church truly can be what we're uh, supposed to do and supposed to be. And so we're looking at these one another's. And today, the one that we're looking at is to spur one another on or to admonish one another or to warn one another. It is not going to be an easy sermon to listen or to share with you, but here we go. The thing I've thought about on this is, I don't know, when I was younger, I don't watch many horror movies these days, every once in a while, but growing up, we did, and I'd watch, you know, like Halloween or Friday the 13th or some of the classics. We recently, um, we watched, uh, was it called Bird Box, that one movie that was, yeah, that was, yeah, Sandra Bullock, watched that one, and then I watched, was it called Us? Did you guys see us? Was it called us? Yeah, another scary one. But here's what you do. I don't know if you're like me. I know I'm like me. So um, here's what we do is you start talking to the characters in the movie. You do this? I do this. So you're, you're, you're talking to, and, and one of the, in all these horror movies, what they say is they get into this scary situation or this big house that's all dark or whatever, and they, they say this. I think we should split up. And you're like, no, don't split up. That is like the dumbest thing you can do. Stay together. Don't split up. Or, you know, like a big, scary sort of like garage and there's some guys chasing them and think, let's go in there. And, you know, like, no, 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 don't. You're just... And this is a little bit of what this message today is going to be, is speaking to one another, warning one another. Don't do this. The thing that we have to remember is this. We are all in this together. We are all in this together. Think about this with me, if you would. With your family and maybe closest friends, do you want them to flourish? Yes. Do you want others that maybe that you work with, and all? would you like those people to do well and to flourish in life? Okay, take a moment and look around with the people that are sitting with you here today. Do you want these people to flourish? Yes, this is what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be, we are in this together. We are supposed to help each other flourish. In a book that James Bryan Smith wrote called The Good and Beautiful Community, he writes this. He says, the community exists to shape and guide my soul. The community has a right to expect certain behavior from me and can provide encouragement and accountability that I need. That we are really in this together, that we can help one another grow. We can call each other out on certain things that are going on. There's certain behaviors or whatever it might be, but we are in this together. When we started this series about a month ago, we did just, I did an intro on the idea of community. And I said there's really four things that are crucial for a community to actually do these one another's well. And they were that we have to be committed to one another. We have to grow in trust for one another. There has to be great humility with one another, and, and it just takes time. It's not going to happen quickly. 
But you have to develop these t- this type of community in order to do this well. And then last week I said that when we're talking about encouraging one another, that we are to encourage one another to remain faithful to the Lord and to continue to trust him. That ultimately this is what we are called to do. That I am here, that you are here, that we are here together to help each other to be faithful to the Lord in our lives and to trust him and to continue to encourage people to live this way even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of temptation, even in the midst of darkness. So today we're going to look at what does it mean to admonish one another. It's very similar to encouragement, but, oh, and then last week, I don't know. Does anybody remember your homework assignment from last week? What was it? To encourage somebody, like to try and do it once a day. How how did we do? Once, you did it once. Okay, I'll take once. So here's the thing. To encourage people, it, we, I'd be something, I'd say, try to do that every day. Find one person you can intentionally encourage, maybe who's struggling, maybe somebody who needs just someone to come alongside and say, hey, I know you don't have the courage, but I have the courage for you. You can do this. Okay, that's one thing. Admonishment, we're going to get to this, is I don't want you to try and admonish somebody every day. Okay? Okay, here we'll get to this. But this is not an everyday thing, I don't believe, but here we go. Hebrews chapter 10 will be the core verses for us. Here it's what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Jesus approaching. This word, uh, let us consider, it's a really interesting deep word. It, It means to take careful note of each other, It's an attentive, continuous thinking and caring for somebody else. Yet you actually do know somebody that well that you're thinking about, how can I help this person become the best they can be? Taking careful note of somebody else's spiritual welfare. And this idea of spurring one another on, it is that word. It's where we get the idea of spurs on a cowboy's boots that you're giving a kick to that horse to get them to go. That is what this word means. It's giving a kick to somebody to move them in a different direction. And it's a very strong word to spur one another on. The idea of spurring one another on is a word that means it's um, prodding of our brothers and sisters towards love and good deeds. Doesn't mean that we're to become these judgmental busybodies always looking for others to mess up but it is a mandate, okay, it's a mandate that we are to take a spiritual interest in the lives of others. That as I'm in relationship with people, I have a mandate to have an interest in their spiritual welfare. So how does a church do this well? How do we do this well? The first thing comes out of this Hebrews 10 passage, and it is that we have to know one another well. If when you looked around at the people in this congregation, you said, wow, you know what? I don't really know anybody very well. Now, if this is your first time, you get a pass on that. That's okay, or second or third. But if you've been here for a while and you think, you know what? I really don't know people very well. Maybe that is uh, something that says, you know what? I should maybe step it up. 
I should get involved in a core group. I should get involved in a Bible study. I should take, see somebody that I know we might have a kindred interest and in, go to coffee or whatever, but to build up these relationships so that you know one another well. Again, we talked about this, talked about this four weeks ago, that isolationism is one of the great powers fighting against us today and the church today, that we just continue to isolate ourselves from one another and so the thing that I believe Jesus is saying to us is no, know each other well. Spend time with each other. Get to know each other. The next uh, point comes out of Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says this to us. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so the next point is to take the plank out of your own eye. What Jesus is doing here, it's an it's a, it's a incredible picture, word picture, of it actually a, a log, a big old lumber thing is coming out of your eye, and you're looking for the tiny little speck of sawdust in somebody else's. And he says, first and foremost, deal with your own plank that's in your eye. Whatever you might be going on in your eye. But then notice what he says. You do this so that then you can remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. That when you deal with your own stuff, it puts you in a position where you can then better help others deal with their stuff. But first and foremost, deal with your own plank, he says. Get that plank out of your eye before you try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. So know each other well, take the plank out of your own eye. And then the third thing I would say in order to be an admonished well is to pray to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is not something we should take lightly. This is not something that is easy to do. There is so much of our own stuff mixed up in this, my own insecurities, my own sin that could be set up in this, that I see something in you that I sure want to deal with, but man, no, I have, this has to be spirit-led. This has to be me and the Lord just saying, this is something that has to happen. I have got to talk to this other person about what I see in their life because, Lord, you are showing me that this is what I need to do. And that we pray about this, and we pray so that the ultimate thing that happens is that there's reconciliation, there is flourishing, that I want what is best for this other person. And what I'm going to say to this person in no way is meant to, deal, to drag them down and to beat them up, but it is to help them to become greater in God's world. And it has to be spirit-led. It has to be something that you're willing to pray about and you seek God and you say, Lord, is this really what I'm supposed to do? And if the Lord says, yes, you've got to keep going, you've got to keep moving, you've got to do this as hard as it's going to be, then the next two points come out of Ephesians chapter 4. And here's what Paul writes. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So the next thing is to be humble, gentle, patient, respectful, and to create and bond a peace. 
that that has to be. Anytime we might confront somebody else with something that's in their life, anytime we try to admonish or warn something about what we see in their lives, it has to come from a place of humility. It has to come with great gentleness, being patient, respectful of that person. And the ultimate desire is that there would be this bond of peace that is created between us and within the church as a whole. It's the only way you would then take the next step forward to actually confront somebody about something that is on, going on in their life. And so the, next, the last one comes again from Paul here in Ephesians 4. Instead, he says, speaking the truth in love, instead of allowing ourselves to be washed around and just following whatever things people might say to us, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so the, the only way to do this, the only way to confront somebody, the only way to admonish somebody is to speak the truth in love. And the only way that works is if you've gone through the first four. If you've uh, built relationship well, if you have um, taken time to take the plank out of your own eye, if you're prayed to be led by the Holy Spirit, if your attitude is one of humility, gentleness, patience, and respect, then you can step forward and in the, speak the truth in love. Here's what I see. Here's what I see happening in your life. Here's as a struggle that keeps coming up and I have to bring it to your attention because I don't believe that you are be all that God wants you to be. And we speak this in love with the desire that it creates this flourishing in their life and it builds up the church. It helps the church to become all that it can be and it pushes the individual and the church towards love and good deeds to speak this truth in love. And oftentimes when we're going through Ephesians 4, we kind of stop there because there's been this great section about the different gifts that people have and the building up of the church and all these things. And then we don't get to verse 17, but in verse 17, Paul actually does admonish them. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Hey, look, I insist on this. You have got to change. You've got to be different, Paul says to them, because it will be what is best for you and for the church. So I think that's how a church can admonish well within the body. But the question then is, okay, when do you admonish a fellow believer? When would you ever do this? How would you ever do this? Again, this is not something that you should wake up every morning going, okay, who can I admonish today, Lord? Just give me one. But in relationship, as you get to know people, as you're in a group with people, as you whatever, it will come up. And one of the places, and we, we looked at it in the study guide this week, is that if somebody sins against you, you should admonish them. Luke 17, Jesus says this. The things that cause people to stumble are bound to come but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for them 
to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. Jesus is saying, you know what? There's going to be things that cause people to stumble. There's going to be sin in the world, sin in people's lives. It is a reality of our world. We see that. We know that. We experience that in our own lives all the time. And then Jesus continues. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So Jesus says, if somebody sins against you, if somebody has said something, if somebody acted in a certain way against you, again, I would go through those steps, making sure that the Spirit is leading this, making sure that my own plank is out of my eye, that I have a relationship there, that I'm doing this. But I would, you have to, he says, rebuke them. Go back and say, you know what? What you said to me really hurt. And, and I don't think it's fair. Or do you realize that every time that we're together, you, don't, you never ask what's going on in my life and it's all about you? I mean, these could be things that are happening in, interpersonally. And, and the Lord says you have to deal with this stuff and you have to forgive. Again, this is the bottom line. The foundation of this whole thing is that relationship is improved. That relationship is made better. That, that when you don't deal with stuff, it's still there. There's still this block or this obstacle or something between you and that other person. But when you deal with it, that stuff can be gone and the relationship can actually be better when it's done right. So if somebody has sinned against you, then that's the time where I would say, yes, you have to admonish, you have to step in, you have to warn. The other place is if in the course of relationship you notice someone is headed in a dark direction. We've got to step in. You know, when, when we're together, you talk about feeling like you drink a little bit too much sometimes. Is, is this a problem? Is this, is this something that, you're, are you asking me to ask you about this? Because you ask me, you say this often. Is, is this a problem here? Or, or do you realize that when we're together, we talk a lot about those other girl women on the soccer team, and I think we're gossiping. I don't think this is right for us. Or, or do you realize that when we're together, you talk about that woman at work an awful lot. Is, is there anything going on there? This is what it means to step into these really uncomfortable conversations. But again, if the church, if we don't do this in the church, we could be allowing somebody to take steps down a path to where they are headed into a really dark place. And we, as God's people, might be stepping in to help them. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. What a great statement. That if someone has wandered from the truth and somebody steps in and brings them back, you've brought them back from death, you've brought them back from a multitude of sins, 
It's what we are called to do as God's people, to help each other. So the imagery, honestly, as I finish this up, is this. If, if two toddlers are playing in a, in a mud pit, what will happen? They'll get dirty. We, as, as followers of Jesus, as best we can go through our day, we get dirty. And just as those two toddlers can't clean each other up, here, let me clean you, no, right? <laughs> two muddy toddlers can't clean you up. But what a toddler could do is say, hey, let's get up and go find mom and she'll wash us off. And as Christians, we cannot clean each other up. It is only through the grace of God. It is only by what Christ has done. But what we can do, we can say, hey, let's get up out of this pit and let's go and let's let Jesus clean us. Let's let Jesus take care of this stuff that's going on in our lives. Let's get clean. And that's who we are. We're two toddlers in a mud pit saying, let's go get clean. Kind of the preventative side of this in terms of admonishment is what we call accountability. It's not one that we like very much either, but this is what I would encourage you, and this is the homework assignment, is to find one or two people in your life they could be a part of this church or they could be outside this church, whoever it might be, that you can really be honest with. A couple of people that you really trust. A couple of people that you know why have your best interest in mind that want you to flourish. And meet with them from time to time. Every other week, once a month, whatever works. And you just kind of say, here's what's going on. Here's the good and the bad, the ugly. And here's, I need your help and I need your prayers. That's the assignment. Don't try to go through this alone, but find one or two people who will walk with you, who will help you to be the person you know God wants you to be. People you trust, people who are humble, people who will be gentle with you, but people who will be honest with you also. So let's be a church that admonishes well. Let's do it with a great humility. Let's do it only when we sense that God is leading us. Let's do it out of relationship. Let's make sure we're dealing with our own stuff first and foremost. And let's speak the truth in love to one another so that individually and collectively we'll flourish. And it's so great that we're going to um, end today by taking communion together. Because communion is a few different things. One thing, it's, it's a beautiful picture of, of community doing this together. And it reminds us that we are not to do this alone, but to do this with other people. And then the other thing it does, obviously, right, is it reminds us of the grace of God. Reminds us that Christ died on the cross for our sins. That the only way I can get a plank out of my eye is because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that we can even deal with that stuff as we're taking communion. So to do something a little different as we uh, start communion, I want us to say together 
this prayer of confession. And so the words will be up um, behind me. There's this screen, and then there'll be another screen. And I want us just to say this together as a way of preparing our hearts for communion. So I'll sit with you because I say this with you as much as anybody. So let's say this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Too often we forget to love ourselves as you have first loved us. Too often we turn away from pain and injustice instead of rebuking the powers of this world as you gave us the authority to do. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. In the power of Jesus' name, root out and bind all evil, sin, and death both in our lives and in our common, connected body. Forgive us. Restore in us the joy of our salvation. Renew in us the right spirit that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of Jesus' name, amen. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he having a meal with his friends. At the end of the meal, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. In the same way, at the end of the meal, he poured the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. Take and drink. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember me. You remember my grace. You remember that you are a part of a body the body of Christ. So as the uh, elders who are going to help serve communion make their way forward, uh, let me pray for us. So Lord, we have confessed our sin. We bring it before you and know that it is only, only by the cross of Jesus that we can experience your grace. So please, Lord, as we come forward, Remind us of your grace. Remind us of your mandate to care for the spiritual life of one another. And remind us, Lord, that the body of Christ, that the body of Christ can be light in the midst of darkness, can be hope in the midst of an evil world, and that it truly is, truly is all that this world needs. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So there will be uh, three stations, one over there, one here in the middle, and one over there. And we just invite you to come forward whenever you would um, like to come forward. The band will be leading us in some worship, but please do come forward. And um, as you take the bread and dip it in the juice, Maybe it is. Maybe there is a plank in your eye that you just know you need to deal with. Maybe there's a relationship that you know you need to help somebody or something. But just allow the Lord to really use this time to do what he desires to do in your life. Um, it will get a little crowded, so be kind to one another.